Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. This is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our at-home-in-the-basement studio, where we've been spending more hours than we would like because it keeps raining. For the October 2011, episode 75. Here we are. Not on the road, but at home. But we're glad to talk with you, and we hope that you will be sending us some emails and keeping in contact with us for the next uh, month and uh, even longer so that you can let us know what you want to hear about. We got an email from Dave who asked us to talk once again about our Internet and TV reception on the road. This Always is an, an ongoing topic. dilemma. Um, I would say before Ken launches into his techno talk. <laughs> launches? What do you mean launches? That I've been um, impressed and pleased by the improvement of campground internet Uh, providers. It seems to be a a more robust system, more commonly available, uh, more likely included as part of your camping rather than an extra add-on that you have to pay for. So I think campgrounds are coming along, but there's still many places where you are And of course, getting it in your RV is always an issue. Usually the campgrounds will have Wi-Fi someplace, but whether you can actually get it in your RV. And, of course, we just talked to a friend who only took his iPhone on a trip, which would be almost inconceivable a few years ago because with just a phone you couldn't do email and you couldn't do web browsing. But he was able to keep in contact with us as well as the rest of his family using just his phone. Now, I would not go quite that far. <laughs> but it just goes to show that there are some exciting things happening that you can uh, take advantage of. And, of course, one of the latest ones is, coming up at the beginning of this month, is the iPhone 5. Or you, you'll probably know all about this, uh, dear listener, by the time you listen to this. But I don't know at this moment what it's going to be. Because next Tuesday is the big announcement. Whatever it has, I'm sure we'll need it. And we're going to need it on Verizon. Um, I should say that we've had our our fair share of hassles with AT&T lately. Did you talk about this? I don't think so. No, because we, we didn't We know. were camped last month on the yes. Canadian border, but we were in Maine, not in Canada. But we could tell from our cell phones well, even before that, that uh, they madly wanted to connect to the <laughs> Canadian Tower because that was the only game in town. Yes. No, I think we talked about that. And we- and so we prearranged with them that, that we should not be charged for th- uh, usage since we were not in the country. But we did a stupid thing and didn't con- turn off, off our... Internet roaming, is that what it was called? Data roaming. Data roaming. So all our little apps on our iPhones were in constant communication with the world via Canada. our our bill, which I just got this month, was over $400. And we never (laughs) used the phone. Well, we no, we did use the phone, but we certainly didn't use any data, and we didn't mean to be... The phone used the phone. Yeah. I I didn't use the phone. Well, you called. Well, we, we made some phone calls. 
But that wasn't four hundred dollars worth. No, as a matter of fact, as I look at the bill, the 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 problem wasn't the phone calls; it was this data roaming business, which nobody quite understands exactly what the heck's going on. I had I didn't do any data. I didn't. I guess my my phone used data, but I didn't know it was using data, and so that's a really confusing factor. So, Painful lesson learned. Well, I'm still in negotiations with our buddies at AT and T because the same thing happened last month when we were in in Canada. This time we weren't in Canada, but last month we were in Canada and we were on a cruise and I used six megabytes, which is almost nothing in terms of data. And they charged me $200 or something like that. Anyway, it's it's twenty nineteen ninety five per megabyte. And of course, a megabyte is hardly anything these days. So, so here, innocent me thought I had my phone turned off, but I guess I didn't have it turned completely off. We're anxiously waiting to switch. Now, is anybody from AT&T listening, do you suppose? I would doubt do it. Do they? Has the RV Navigator podcast actually reached the muckety-mucks at AT&T? I would doubt it. Oh. So I can't talk to them directly? No, you should say what you really think. That's what we always do on this podcast. I understand that, but I would like somebody who knows something to listen. Anyway, so, dear listener, uh, you are listening, and uh, so I will talk to you. We're switching to Verizon probably in the not-too-distant future. As soon as that fabulous new iPhone comes out, and I get clearance from the finance committee. Is that me? <laughs> well, well, this is a bit of a problem because the Verizon is going to be more expensive for us committee. than the AT&T was, which yes. is aggravating. That's why it has to have clearance from the finance committee. So the final decision has not been made. But we really have been frustrated by AT&T. Yes. I feel like I live in a third world country with all the dropped calls, and I hardly ever talk on the phone. Dropped calls and lack of data service to me, which is also frustrating. Okay, so Dave says, <laughs> here we are 15 minutes into our episode here. We haven't even talked about the first thing. Um, Dave says, as far as I can remember, there's been it's been a while since you talked about Internet and TV reception on the road. Uh, if I'm mistaken, there's uh, and there was a recent review. Forgive my f- forgetfulness. No, we haven't talked about this because I try not to talk about the same things over and over. But of course, this is a topic which is of uh, very close to my heart, and I will be happy to chat with you about this. We have a Direct TV, and Direct TV we use at home and we use on the road. And I have a Direct TV DVR, which we take on the road with us. And one of the things that I like about it is is that it has OTA meaning that I can pick up the over-the-air signals on the DirecTV receiver and record those as well as the hundreds of channels that I have on DirecTV. So that has a DVR, and I have put in uh, into that DVR um, a one-terabyte drive so that it really has a lot of capacity. It's very easy to put an extra hard drive in, and as a matter of fact, many of the new machines have an eSATA port on the back, which means that you can just plug in a drive with an eSATA port on it. And so that just kind of takes over in place of the internal drive. And so that's that's TV. Uh, it, the TV signal comes from our Motosat internet dish, which is on the roof. And you, you'll recall a year ago, I put on a brand new set of LNBs so that I could get high def uh, from the Motosat dish. Motosat was not very helpful, and they said, oh, that's impossible, you can never do that. But a third-party manufacturer came out and said, oh, we can make the LNBs to go on your dish. And so that was great because I was afraid that I was going to have to have two separate dishes. So now I have just one dish, and it does uh, the Motosat <coughs> Internet. 
And the, and the advantage of the Motoset Internet is, is that any any place in the United States, Canada or Mexico, that you have a shot at the southern sky, you have decent Internet full time. We have found that cell phone service is variable. That sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's not there, sometimes the signal's weak, blah, 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 blah. It seems to be stronger in urban areas, and campers tend not to camp in urban areas because there are no campgrounds there. And as we just mentioned, we've had real trouble with AT&T 3G service. With that said, we do have um, a new Sprint data card. Why did I go with Sprint? Well, because... They have uh, they've served us pretty well, frankly. Um, the data card that we've had, we have it in a MiFi type of arrangement. It's a, actually a Cradle Point router, so it's a USB pl- that plugs into the router, and then it becomes a Wi-Fi hot sh- hotspot. I just upgraded that this week, and we, we now have not only 3G but 4G. Unfortunately, here at our house, we don't get 4G. so Which is in an urban area. Which is in an urban area, and you'd expect to get 4G here, but we don't. As I look at our trip to Texas for the winter, uh, that will not have 4G either, so... I don't know whether the 4G, but it was free, so a free upgrade with a two-year contract, so I guess we'll stick with that. The satellite uh, works very well under most circumstances, although we have had some connection problems on at times, and you probably remember some pictures that I put on my podcast message board last year about uh, in the winter about me having to go up on the roof and replace a component and that sort of stuff. But overall, it's um, it's very stable and it's very consistent. One of the problems with it is, however, that there is a definite data limit, and you get about uh, 500 megabytes per day, which is okay. It's barely enough. We can't do podcast downloads, but we can, if you get up in the middle of the night between 2 a.m. and 7 a.m. Eastern Time, you can have unlimited downloads. And so that if you need to update the software on your computer or you want to do podcast downloads, you can get up in the middle of the night. Which is okay, because if you're on the West Coast, you see that starts at midnight, and that, that's actually feasible. Only for the truly devoted. Which we are. So they do have an alternative, and I have downloaded gigabytes in a night um, just by getting up and starting that old computer. So that's the way we do TV. Now, I have also purchased a little portable satellite dish um, for TV, but fortunately, it's the new. It's from Weingard, and it uh, comes in a box, and the dish and everything is all in there. It's an 18-inch dish, and I have not had to use it because we've gotten TV uh, every place we, we go because we always specify that as one of the criteria for getting a campsite, and we always look for that. So I haven't had to use it, but uh, it's there in case I need to use it. One of the good things about the Internet dish, uh, using it as a satellite TV dish, is is that because it's a 0.74-meter dish, it's much larger and therefore has uh, much greater signal-gathering capabilities for TV, which it needs for the Internet, but but the TV doesn't need it, so we get TV in places where otherwise you wouldn't get TV. I don't have in-motion. We don't like, we don't need to have in-motion. I don't have a dome. Domes are always, (laughs) you know, when you make a small dish, you compromise in terms of the uh, signal strength and places you can use it, and also the in motion and the dome type of dishes do not uh, get high definition. So that's a problem. And the reason why is because they don't get multiple satellites. Now I'm picking up uh, five, six satellites simultaneously. Um, So that's 
<laughs> takes a dish of a decent size in order to be able to do that. So basically the way the domes work is is that when you press the channel for a new station, they have to reposition themselves to get a new satellite if it's not on the same one as the previous channel. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm not listening. <laughs> what? You're not listening? Oh, boy. Dave says that he has both AT&T and Verizon. Oh, so he's going to give us a nice report on which which of the two he likes. And so, he's, and he's able to connect his iPhone via tethering. And tethering is a nice option for many people, because, uh, but AT&T doesn't really... Well, they offer tethering by, via Bluetooth, but the data capacity is so low that uh, that's just not worth it at 200 megabytes a month. So Dave has a more generous finance committee than you do. I guess so. How did that happen? So we have been traveling at home uh, since we met you last. We did the uh, Rhodes Scholar in Corning, New York, which we were in the midst of, I think, in the last episode, after having driven through the storm-ravaged Binghamton, Bing, New, Binghamton York. New York. We completed that event and traveled home in fairly expeditiously, and we stopped in Sandusky, Ohio. If you look at a map of Ohio, Sandusky is in the middle in the very north, uh, conveniently located just north of the Ohio Turnpike, 80-90. And I think of Sandusky as the the area where Ohio comes to play because it's <laughs> yeah. it's really a place to come and have fun. Um, probably the thing that it's most famous for is Cedar Point, um, an amusement park roller that features heaven. very vomitatious roller coasters. <laughs> that's, that's your definition. <laughs> we, we went there once, and yeah. if you were a roller coaster vomitatious. aficionado, you would love it there because they're huge. Are there any roller coasters that are not vomitatious? Well, some are more so than others. Uh-huh. And there's where a 200 foot straight drop down <laughs> is vomitatious to you? And upside downer than most any others that I've seen. And quite frankly, 14 for someone. 14 corkscrews is vomitatious to you? For someone like me, the park didn't have a whole lot else to offer but if you're into roller coasters that's a great place to go and obviously a very popular choice but the other thing that we enjoyed there is there are a number of little islands off the coast of sandusky in in lake erie erie, erie. and you can take a ferry the only great lake that's that's caught on fire and you can take a ferry <laughs> to a variety of different islands and while we're not experts in this area it looks like when you get off the ferry they take you to somewhere whose only purpose is to have fun yes so we went to put in bay which was like two stores in a bar two stores in a restaurant two stores in a bar 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 and no, but, but there are a lot of bars and a lot of restaurants and a lot of people you can take the ferry to other places and it's just a nice day to spend there and we rent a, we rented a, a golf, a golf cart, cart, which was yes. a very nice way to see the island um, on our own pace um, without killing ourselves, although it would have been easy to do by bicycle, which is the other thing they rent there, and had a wonderful day. So if you're looking to break up a trip across Ohio, we would recommend Sandusk. Of course, Ohio is one of the only places that actually has camping in the travel plazas. On the turnpike. On the, on the turnpike. Very cool. Every, every other plaza has sites. Every other, well, that's cool. And we've we've actually stayed there, and it's quite nice. Uh, electric and water only, but they do have a dump station, so very nice to stay there. And then if, you can have a delicious meal in the food court. At the McDonald's. <laughs> so that's the day you might want to uh, cook in the RV. <laughs> 
Uh, gas prices, as we expected, were high throughout the whole trip, but fortunately, right now they seem to be coming down. We paid as little as uh, three seventy-eight for diesel per for diesel, and now it's down to three sixty something. So even around home here, which is a, a real shockeroo. So maybe this will put a shot in the arm for the RV market, and they will be on the up swing for the summer season of course it's only fall and makes me feel encouraged about our possible plan to go to alaska next summer which when we first started talking about it last winter as the diesel prices were rising 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 seemed like it was going to cost too much so hopefully we can fulfill that fantasy and talk to you from alaska next summer so now it's time for you to talk about some technology now you got a nice new camera oh and you're going to ask me what it is it's a canon (laughs) 230SI or HI or something like that. Thank you. 15 to 1 zoom lens. My constant quest is to get a smaller and smaller camera <laughs> that does more and more. And she's come close to that. And with this, uh, one. This, this is an almost fit in your pocket, certainly fits in your purse camera with a wonderful zoom lens, um, makes high def video, yeah. um, and has every feature that I could possibly want. Stabilization, is, which is good. It's so light and so small. And easy to use. The only thing it's missing for those of you from my vintage is it doesn't have a viewfinder, yeah. which bothers me in bright light. I took a lot of pictures in Maine of ships, and I found myself cutting off the tops of the masts because I couldn't quite see them in the little uh-huh. um, w- viewing window. Um, and I think with a with viewfinder, I would have done a little better. But now that I know that, I take that accordingly when I'm composing my shots. And you like the 15 to 1 zoom? I love it. Well, and you can use it at its maximum, and it's useful. And it looks perfect. Really? Yeah. As long of course, as I it's don't a 12 wig- megapixel, which As long is as I don't too. wiggle. And the first time I used it, I... But you're famous for wiggling. No, I was, I'm, I'm pretty good now that I, I did uh-huh. it wrong the first time, and now that I'm aware of it, I hold my breath and try to stabilize my body, and uh-huh. that's good enough. Uh-huh. But it's got built-in stabilization, and that helps you also. also. And I just am buying a new stabilized lens for my single-lens reflex. I have a Canon 60D, and I've been using a a, 18, a Tamron 18 to 250. But in the same situation where Martha was, she's made me jealous because her pictures are nice and sharp. Of and zoomier. Oh, in the it's nice being number one in the technology field. Well, I'm catching up anyway. So I'm buying a new Tamron. 18 to two, to three, 270, and that will, with image stabilization. So now I can take pictures in the dark with long lens. Better than mine? No, probably not. <laughs> we'll see. We took about 30 gigabytes worth of pictures on this last trip. Ooh. So organizing them has been a challenge. Uh, 30 gigabytes is not really all that many pictures, but because I shoot raw, that means that I have a lot of data there and we've been using aperture as our tool to organize our pictures and it's worked pretty well we create an album on the road and then import it into our master album once we get home and uh, that works pretty well we now have over a hundred thousand pictures in our album so if you'd like to come over and see some pictures have we got pictures And now we can find them. Yes, but it has all the pictures we've ever taken with digital cameras. And I'm going to be winterizing soon. Do better. It's getting colder and colder. Yes, indeed. Um, 
Winterizing means putting in all of the antifreeze, uh, including into things like the washing machine, which you don't want to forget. And the little sprayy thing by the toilet, and the little spray oh, thing over you, the yeah. sink. Various things we have broken over the year. Well, have broken over the years because they've frozen. Because they didn't have enough antifreeze in them. Yes, uh, and water we broke stayed the in sink, there. The sink, the sink, and the the sprayer, sprayer of the sink. and and the sprayer of the toilet. Sprayer of the toilet and at other times other things. So you want, want to be careful. You open those low point drains and you drain everything out. And then we use the pump antifreeze through the lines until it comes out of the pipes and. Then you're pretty much good to go. That's your side of winterizing. My yes. side of winterizing yes. well, that's what I is to, talk about. to pull out all of the leftover food. Yes. And you want to broaden your definition of what food is yes. because last year, as you remember, I had a sad uh-huh. story about a dead mouse decomposing on our couch yes. because he came in and ate things like candle wax and the, the, the labels. labels off my yeah. spice jars. So I'm going to be even more vigorous and aggressive uh, taking anything out of there that smells anything food-like. And one year I forgot a pop bottle which froze, but luckily it was still quite frozen Ooh. when I noticed it and it never did explode. But you really need to be careful to take everything out if you're going to leave your rig parked in and the that winter. little And that little animal thing, you know, they really like this. And there's nothing worse than having a scared animal in your RV because once they get in they can't get out and they will eat whatever they can. And it could be the padding from your, your furniture or it could be the labels off the, <laughs> who knows what it's going to be. With our motorhome, with the big bay in the bottom and all that, I have no idea how we ever got up there, but... Um, Doesn't take much. I guess so, because ours, we I consider it to be very uh, enclosed and hard to get into, and we certainly don't have any air leaks or anything like that, so we don't know, and fortunately it was just one, and he must have run out of food because he died. <clears throat> and hopefully he left a stench will repel other mice in the future doesn't repel us because we can't smell it. No, no. I feel bad for them. They need somewhere to go and something to eat, but it doesn't need to be inside my motorhome. But we were uh, traveling home, and our friends who we were traveling with said, oh, let's turn on the stove to warm things up. And I guess that's maybe a logical thing, That, but you better not do that. You shouldn't do that in a house. You shouldn't do that any place. Carbon monoxide is really bad news because it's an odorless, colorless gas, but it's toxic. And it can cause accidental poisoning deaths almost any time. And there's a a report here from the uh, Associated Press that talks about three Tennessee Motorcycle Festival attendees who died as a result of running their generator and the fumes leaked into the camper and uh, they died. And, of course, our generator is uh, underneath, but if you have some sort of a leak in the in the exhaust system, then that could leak into the RV, too. We RVs ge- aren't required to have a carbon monoxide detector? We do have a carbon monoxide but detector. But in general, are they required? I would think so, I but, you know, so. you have to put batteries in them and yeah, you have to make sure them, that they work. And this guy apparently didn't, and so... And this this article, you're going to link to it, I assume, has an extensive list of things that can cause carbon monoxide poisoning that are not necessarily so obvious, like like running your oven inside the RV. So there are lots of, I guess what I'm saying is there are lots of ways you can get carbon monoxide poisoning. So read the article, pay attention to the bullet points, and if you have a detector, make sure it's And just be aware of that. You know, as the cold comes on us, we tend to want heat. And where do you get heat? But from flames and winter flames... Is it CO2 or is it carbon? CO. 
carbon monoxide. I know, but what do flames cause? Heat. <laughs> Read the article. Heat. <laughs> if that's all they cause, it would be great to use them. They cause carbon monoxide gas. Okay. That's what kills you. Uh, I just use up all the oxygen. No. The gas kills you. <laughs> Well, we now see that the Pennsylvania RV show, the Hersey show, um, which we almost went to, but we're glad we did because it was flooded there, too. Uh, despite record flooding in the area this week, uh, in the week that they had it, an incredible storm on Wednesday. People seem to love going to the show. A total of 36,410 people took part in the show's Consumer Days, September 14th through 18th. I don't think of Hersey as being a place where people go to buy RVs, but apparently this is always one of the biggest shows in the country, and I think it's one of the reasons is because many of the dealers bring out their new models at this time. That's good news to hear that there were lots of people there and people were actually buying RVs. You found an article from the a blog on the Woodall site where someone had written the 10 best camping gadgets, don't leave home without them. <laughs> and while that's a good concept, when I read his article, I hardly agreed with any of them. <laughs> <laughs> because most of them we leave without fairly regularly. And we have our own 10 best. It starts off with duct tape. I guess that's... What do you mean you guess? Duct tape is the, yeah. is the ultimate do-it-all. Fix it. Fix it. When you don't have the right thing to fix you don't it, have fix the right it thing with duct tape. Fix it with duct tape. And a Butane or, lighter? Yeah, we have a butane lighter. Sometimes my burners don't light. And a, well, but you need it for other things, too. And a pocket knife? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he suggests a Minimag flashlight, but we would like to also promote headlights, headlights which we use quite regularly when there are dim lighting situations. We? I've used it, too. No. Yeah. I like it, too. Do you have a dual headlight or a mono headlight? Just whatever I need. It's there in the drawer, and I put it on. <laughs> She's a mono headlight person. <laughs> I'm a dual headlight person. And then he lists hydrocortisone cream, which I don't think we have. Yes, we do. A plastic poncho, which we don't have. A Leatherman tool. Do you have that? Of course. Walkie-talkies, which we have, but we don't use. Because, why, and why don't we use them? Because the engine is so loud, I can't hear. Well, not only that, but we have our phones whenever we need walkie-talkies. Well, days. I think people think about using them to help park themselves. Oh, okay. and, and it's much too loud back there for me to Or for keeping track of your kids or whatever, but we still use our phones. Magnifying glass, which we don't have but probably should because we're getting older <laughs> and we can't see well anymore. Oh. And a loud whistle for emergencies. That never even crossed my mind. So if you look at the at the website, not only does he have these bullet points, but you'll see the responses of many other folks, such as ourselves, who made Added suggestions list. for other things. That's now far more than 10. That you should always have in your camping gear. So what would you put down? Important things like shoes. <laughs> Those, that's the ten best things. Well, uh, I assume you're coming closed. <laughs> He's not talking about that sort of stuff. A GPS. Oh, I G couldn't live without it. Couldn't live without a GPS. <laughs> can't live with it and can't live without it. And your phone. Yeah. I don't think I'm a fair person to ask because I'm not the fixer. I see. Okay. I think of things I think I would be cooking with, and you don't have to have them. You would just use something okay, else. Okay, so we'll let you off the hook there. Thank you. Full-time surprises. 
Yeah, this article kind of surprised me um, because these full-timers are writing about things that surprise them. Because they turned themselves into full-timers. And some of them are things that I would not have expected. In particular, they have had difficulty uh, finding the assistance of medical personnel as they've traveled around the country. Because well, we haven't really needed to do They that. say that doctors and dentists don't want to deal with you if you're only going to be a one-time customer. And they said the same thing Is about RV repair centers, and we've certainly had experience with that, which is if you've got money in your wallet, they're happy to see you. Yeah, but are they doing you the best job if they know that you're not going to come back again? I don't know. We've had pretty good luck with it, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And I can remember a time I had to have stitches removed when we were in Maryland, and we called somebody up and he did it. It was not a big deal. And they mentioned something that which is interesting. You have to have a schedule. <laughs> that I guess they they didn't have a schedule when they first started. And I think if I were a full-timer, I wouldn't want to have a schedule. We do have a schedule. Well, we're not full-timers. You have to have something, some reason to get up and go and do play, do things. I don't think they're saying that so much, but like when you check into a campground, they're always asked, when will you be leaving? Which is a question that campgrounds always want to know and, and they have to come up with some answer that they want that they say. And number two is, all ads for campgrounds are not completely accurate. <laughs> all ads for anything people want yeah, to but buy are not completely accurate. That's why we always read rvparkreviews.com because they have comments from uh, users, uh, visitors to the campgrounds, and so that you really get a much better sense of the campground. Is it old and tired, which they never tell you in the ad, or is it new and, and updated? Do they keep the bathrooms clean, all that sort of stuff? Can you drive there with your big rig, or are the roads too small? Well... RV Park Reviews does tell you that. And you can often tell as you read them what the needs of the people are. For example, we immediately discount any reviews from families who, well, have, that's the next item. who have small children and have needs that we don't have. Oh, that reminds me. We were going to mention while we were in Sandusky, we stayed at a KOA, which is something that we hardly ever do because they are quite expensive because you're paying for a lot of small children, family services. And it was nice. They had a campfire every night for people. They had the pool was open. <laughs> Warm and they, they had lots of great activities for kids. And? But because we were there well after Labor Day, it was probably 60% of the price that they charged in the $37, which for a full connection KOA, including good internet, is uh, definitely a bargain. A very nice park. And? and it had places for our friends who didn't have an RV to Very stay. Very nice little cabins, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could see a lot of people use it. They had a lot of cabins. I would say they had... 30 or 40. So getting back to the surprise article, these people were surprised that not all campground employees have actually stayed in an RV, and we would certainly concur <laughs> with that. And they don't know the, the issues, right? Yeah. Although there are many work campers, I think, who work at campgrounds who are very familiar with it. Anyway, so if you have some ideas about uh, the surprises that you have had as a full-timer, let us know, and we'll include them on the list. Oh, I wanted to mention last month I mentioned about the Good Sam app for the iPhone. We have now completely filled it out and got it ready to go. But I noticed also that AAA, which is the other towing service that we have for our other cars, also has uh, a nice app. And they also have something that we've used for a long time, Triptix app, 
which allows you to see your routing and things along the route, which is also very cool. So it has POIs along the route as part of the TripTick app. So you might want to take a look at that if you are a AAA member. And, uh, of course, it has this, the same sort of app that uh, Good Sam does for towing. You put in all of your information in advance, and because your phone knows where you are, you just press the button, and you are connected with somebody who can help you, and they know where you are, and you can put in what kind of service you need, and hopefully it will be there very quickly. So this makes me think, now that there are only 300,000 apps in the App Store, what apps would you like to see? Let's start a list of new apps. Aren't they all already there? Well, no. I think I would like to have uh, something, a weather radio app. That goes off if it's bad weather well, in your area? Well, because it knows where you are. The problem that we have is that we know that there's bad weather, but yeah. we don't know what to do about it. Well, we don't know where we are and whether it really affects us. And are we in Kendall County or not? Exactly. That's exactly it, because you listen to the weather radio from the weather service, and if you're in an f- unfamiliar area, you have no clue as to whether the weather, weather reports are applicable to you. And so it would be very nice to have those attached to some sort of an app that would actually have an, it would be an alarm app so that if it receives weather radio and it recognizes the GPS location, that it would tell you. When we were driving to Corning, New York, Martha saw what she thought was a tornado cloud. And frankly, it did. It was, the, well, it might have been the beginning of one, but it was tentacles hanging down from a cloud. And we thought, oh, my God, if it's a tornado, what do we, well. We're driving right into it. Well, not only that, well, we could see it. So that was one thing. But if you were unaware and there was just bad storms in the area or hail warnings or whatever, what do you do? And where do you go? Well, there should be an app for that. Is there an app for that? Not that I've read about. So, what other apps would you like to have? A sewing app? No. That tells you what stitches to put on your... Well, dear listener, maybe you have some ideas about some apps that you would like to see. We can send them off to to iTunes, and they will be... A friendly programmer will write it for you. Yes. A while ago, we talked about uh, RVing in Iceland and whether we would do it or not. And his trip is now over. He spent a week uh, in Iceland RVing. The website was rviceland.com and his complete blog of every day he spent uh, RVing in Iceland. And would you go? In a heartbeat. I was not very impressed. Oh, I like going to places that aren't like where I'm from. Oh, and no question about that, but I, it seemed like the weather was bad and the conditions were bad and he had a hard time finding places to camp. And I don't think he had a hard time finding places well, to camp. If you, well, there were no places to camp. You just well, it camped. didn't matter. Well, I like to have a bathroom once in a while. And he probably didn't have the Internet either. No, he didn't. Uh-oh. <laughs> I can see some of I anyway, it, you might want to take a, a look at that. As, it's a very interesting blog. He's a good writer. Yes. Uh, Chuck Woodbury might be familiar to some of you because he has a weekly online newsletter um, in RV Travel, and he's been doing it for 10 years. Um, during that time, he spent a lot of time traveling in the West, sometimes with his family, and he blogs about what he does and sees and his impressions, and he's a good writer. And this is uh, his the website for the weekly newsletter is the RVTravel.com. And every Saturday they send us a link and you can read the newsletter for free. And they have lots of ads for you to buy things and uh, keep up with the latest what's going on in RVing. And he's been doing this for a long time, so he has a lot of experience. And he tried Iceland. Which I would like to try as well. (coughs) 
Anybody want to go to Iceland with <laughs> with me? We got an email from a company, Rocky Mountain Mattress, uh, who I'd never heard of, but Rocky Mountain Mattress specializes in making RV mattresses. And I would think that that's a fairly popular need because from my experience, the mattress that your RV comes with is often just this skinny little foam rubber pad that after you've been laying on it for a while, mushes down to nothingness and they're not all that comfortable. So this company makes you like a tailor-made mattress. And he says, we have done all kinds of custom RV mattresses for just about any RV you can think (laughs) of, including fifth wheels, travel trailers, pop-ups, motor coaches, truck campers, and even boats for the U.S. Coast Guard. So they make custom mattresses, and we talked to a couple at the Road Scholar who actually had to have their Monaco motorhome um, adjusted in terms of uh, the bed because they were both well over 6 feet. He was 6'10", and they needed more length. A longer mattress. A longer mattress, and I don't know whether they dealt with this company, but certainly this company could make a mattress which would accommodate very tall people. As long as you have space in your RV, they had to have their cabinets made smaller so that they can extend the, the bed. And then we have, um, if you're into, into sleeping, and who isn't, um, you want to sleep in a nice, comfortable way, then you might want to read the article called Tent Flow Mattress and My Sleep Experience. Corey Grant has uh, written this article, and it's quite extensive. And he talks about his experiences with... Uh, and things to look for when you're buying a replacement mattress. Yeah. And that he's were a, important to him. Yeah, and he was very excited about the foam coverings for mattresses. And had some good tips about that, so you might want to take a look at that when you get a chance. And perhaps we should um, add, I'm sure we've talked about it before, that we decided to go with a sleep number <laughs> mattress yes. when we replaced the one in our motorhome. Without uh, any any foam on top. Right. And from my perspective, it's certainly more helpful to my back than anything we've had in there before. And is it soft enough for you on your side? Oh, yeah. We're happy with it. And it's very light. That's another thing I like about it in an RV. <laughs> We're, we're, we're chuckling about an article that uh, is titled, Don't Become a Victim of RV Lock-In. I wouldn't actually have paid much attention to this article had we not. We were in Massachusetts, in Massachusetts. camped next to a motorhome very much like <laughs> our own. And I could tell from the struggling going uh, in, by the door and out the window that the people who were inside the motorhome were involuntarily confined in their motorhome well, the, the owner because of the they couldn't get it open. And they, 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 had, had call, they had phoned, phoned him. The, the owner of the campground, and he was out there and playing had, around with the door. And I went out and I said, well, you know, what's what's going on? And he says, owners are locked in their RV. Locked and, in their RV. And they had handed the keys out to him. And, and he, he, they were trying to unlock And him. he couldn't move the deadbolt. And they had to... <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of being locked in your RV. And they called a locksmith, and they eventually, eventually had to climb out the window. Well, they called, and they and called take an the RV door. guy. Apart. This is very interesting because this article deals with this, and they deal with it to some specificity. So you, I don't, I don't even think about this as a problem. Ours has just one door, and if you're, if it's locked, you have to climb out the window. You have to go out the window. Actually. The gentleman was a little bit too um, rotund to come out the window, so his wife was out there, first of all. Oh, maybe that's why I talked to her first. And she was out there playing around, trying to get it. No, no, it was the campground guy, because we had to put the 
picnic table up to get her to help her get out. They had gone in and out of the RV two or three times through the window, and and this uh, even with my excellent skills at uh, at fixing things, I couldn't have any clue. And we looked at my RV door to see what mine looked like. Theirs was a Monaco. Eventually, though, they got the lock taken apart. And of course, there are two locks on these doors, and so they didn't know which one was causing the problem. But there is a deadbolt lock on these doors, and the deadbolt had become disengaged from the lock so that they put it in, it disengaged, and then they could not get it unlocked because the lock would not disengage it, would not pull it out of the door. Apparently, the owner had gone out, walked the dogs in the morning, come back, and locked the door. (laughs) The next time they tried to go out, they couldn't get out. This article is about that. Well, is there a moral to this story? What should they have done better or differently? Was it a lubrication issue or I just one of those I, I, things? I had never heard of it before, but now that I see this article... And well, this then, is different, though. This article is for the people... I've seen these kind of locks more on trailers. And but it could happen the same way. Who cares? So it's a lock that broke. But it's at the handle that uh-huh. comes and pulls in front of your door. Pe- okay. Kids came and just pulled up the handles and locked people into their campers. Cool. And so this article is about someone who made a fairly extensive workaround because you want the handle to be there when you're coming up and down the stairs, uh, especially if you have a, a taller <laughs> climb. <a> trick. <laughs> <laughs> he locked his wife into the RV. Uh-huh. And went and sat in his truck and ran the air conditioning and ran the radio, and she was pounding on the windows and calling. Because uh-huh, he couldn't find her. And no, he didn't know where she was. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. even thinking about her. <laughs> so if you have one that of those be, That might handles, be actually a pretty good idea sometimes. <laughs> Lock your wife in the RV. <laughs> well, and people could do it to you, and kids could do yeah, it to you yeah. in a campground. Look at the pictures. <laughs> You've seen these. I can see where this would be a problem. So, dear listener, there are several ways to get locked into your RV. Be careful. <laughs> and certainly something that we learned when we went to that fire safety lesson is you need to pay attention to how to get out of your RV Regardless. if you are locked in yeah. by fire or a malfunctioning door lock or whatever. So that's good to know. All right, so we want to talk a little bit about LED lights. Boy, every time we hear about LED lights, I think expense, expense. Expense, expense, but they're actually coming down in price, and maybe I'll be replacing some of our lights. I was surprised that cars actually come with LED headlights, which means that they must be really bright these days. I can't, I, and of course, I love the Audis that have the the eyebrow lights. And my next car is going to have those. For the time being, I don't have an Audi, and so I don't have those. But the LED lights, uh, they're actually two different kinds that you can buy, um, surface-mounted and then individual ones. And the surface-mounted ones, they can put a lot of them in a small space so that they deliver a lot of light, which is uh, very important. And they're actually coming down in price. So we'll pay attention to this and keep you posted because we want to replace our standard lights with LEDs just as soon as we possibly can because they use less energy because they better use less for energy. boondocking and just conservation overall get better for everything um although we have mostly fluorescence so the issue is not quite as uh, pertinent for us as it is for others but i think they're coming down the road here and the rv market must be big for these now how about this one for going green <laughs> I've thought about this before, but there is a company who's making uh, this company called Cheap Heat, uh, and it's a system that turns your gas furnace into an electric furnace temporarily. So it's got apparently they have a heating coil that they can put into your furnace, and then you can use the campgrounds 
electricity rather than having instead to bring of a your space propane. Heater. Well, instead of using propane to heat your RV. Because we do that now with a space heater, but then we have to bring another. Yeah, thing. yeah, but this would well, this would move the heat throughout the entire RV with the would furnace. Do a better job, yeah. Yeah, and it probably wouldn't be nearly as loud because they, they we wouldn't have the roar of the propane flame. It's called cheap heat. And they talk about themselves as going green. I'm not sure about that, that it's actually going green, but it's using somebody else's electricity instead of yours. And then we have a couple of kind of funny things here. This is the new reality TV series. It showcases trailer park housewives. And if you go to the link that I have here, there is a fairly extended video (laughs) interviewing the lady that they talk about... uh, the Trailer Park Housewives of Las Vegas are moving in. It's a new reality television series being filmed. In, and Bobby Hemlock converted a school bus into an RV. She sleeps on a bed that's the size of a cot. She's converted her RV, or this bus, into an RV. And they're filming it. I don't know exactly what it's going to be about, but we will stay tuned. Kind of the opposite side of the coin from the current housewife shows. Well, when Which... you look at it, when you look at the video, she's done some pretty amazing things. Like her bathroom is all cedar lined, and it's pretty impressive. Well, and, I don't watch the other ones, but they sound la-di-da to me compared to. Oh well, yes, yeah, this trailer is trailer park. Housewives. Yes, but this will be an interesting story. And then the last couple of pictures that you might like to look at. This is not exactly RV oriented, but we take a look at uh, school buses. <laughs> There's a school bus in Japan that's equipped with laptops for the kids as they go to school. Oh, that's cool. And then <laughs> and then it's a big contrast. This other school bus, I'm not sure what country it's in, but it's... It's, it's attached to a bicycle. <laughs> so the driver has to pedal the kiddies to school. It's got about 15 little kids in the they're, back. They're jammed in there and all their little book bags are on top and kind of a... Roof carrier. Yep. So you want to take a look at those pictures of uh, some interesting school buses that we will probably never see in the United States. So, dear listeners, we hope that you'll stay in touch with us. Uh, Your RV navigators are always interested in hearing from you. And we will be back in a month or so when we will be on. Well, the next one may be interesting. Maybe a month or so. Or so. Emphasis on the or so, because we are going to be overseas um, doing a variety of different things in a variety of different places, uh, at times being on tour where we won't have a lot of spare time, or and, and at other times being in places where we have no internet access, so we'll see. But we will be thinking of you, and we will get back to you just as soon as we can. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye now.